This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the preview show brought to you by the None and Never podcast. I'm your host Natalie Bromley and joining me as ever on the preview show team is Statman Dave. And I'm also joined in the studio by my colleagues Richard Steele and Charlotte Rigby. We are looking ahead to the Claret's third fixture in this season's championship campaign. It is Watford away Friday night at 8pm um, live on TV Goodness me, Clarets, we are not used to having so much TV coverage. Um, we have got all the hints, stats, tips, facts, all the things, and just downright feeling um, ahead of that game on Friday night for your pleasure, as always. Um, before we get into the game, we do, of course, have a quiz answer that we need to give you. Um, we asked you the following question when we had our last preview show, which was looking ahead to that home tie against Luton. And the question was, the Burnley captain was... Oh, no, sorry, I was going to give you the answer. Oh, listeners, goodness me, that would have been a disaster already with quiz questions. The question was, who was the Burnley captain when Luton Town played at Turf Moor in March 1979? And we also wanted you to tell us about an unusual and unique incident which took place during the first half. Rich, Charlotte, that is a little bit before all of our times. Did either of you have any idea who this was? I didn't. So the last time we played Watford at home at Turf Moor. Uh... No, 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 it wasn't the last time. No, 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 this is... Oh, this sorry. Is, yeah, this is the... Uh, sorry, it's uh, this is last week's quiz question that I'm giving an answer to. So it was about the Luton Town game. And oh, Dave, sorry, I meant Luton. Yeah. It's we, early. We, it is early. Listeners, we, we, we've had a diary clash, so we're all up at something like 7 o'clock, half 7, 8 o'clock in the morning to record this, so we're a little bit rusty. Um... What uh, it was 1979, March 1979. Who was the captain of Burma then before both of you were born? Any guesses, Charlotte? Any guesses, Martin Dobson? No, that's no idea. Absolutely no idea. <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't either. The Burnley captain was, of course, Peter Noble, who famously never missed a penalty during his career. <gasps> da, da, da. Or did he? Well. Dave tested us with this one because he said in this match just before half time 
the Luton goalkeeper, Jake Findlay, saved Noble's 42nd-minute spot kick. However, referee Trelford Mills, what a name, decided that the goalkeeper had moved before the ball was kicked and ordered a retake. A relieved Peter Noble made the most of the second-half chance and coincident- sorry, confidently found at the back of the net. Um, so technically, this was a retake that was scored, so it doesn't count as a penalty miss, but you know that Dave does like to throw these little curveballs in there. So I personally think that was a bit of a mean one for our listeners who were trying to get that answer, but never mind. But this week's quiz star was Jan Gedeleski, um, who uh, got that right. Uh, John Robertson did guess Peter Noble as well, but he didn't know the second part of the answer, so he doesn't get the full points. But but Jan, our superstar quiz master, got that right. So well done to him. Listeners, you do not have to wait long for another quiz question. You only need to hang around till the end of this show where we will be setting you this week's homework. So do not go away. Okay, let's go, listeners. Watford, Friday night. It is an away tie and what's probably going to be one of our toughest um, games this season. We're going to hand over to Statman Dave now, who's going to kick us off with a preview show with a look at the Championship head-to-head. This season, we're looking back at past matches at this level against each opponent. And although we've faced Watford several times in recent seasons in the top flight... There are 15 previous seasons where our paths have met in the second tier. In terms of the away games, which is what we're going to be focusing on, Burnley have picked up five victories in these previous second tier visits to Vicarage Road, with three draws and seven defeats. The first three away visits at this level all ended in defeat. In November 1971, Frank Casper scored for Burnley, but it was only a late consolation as we lost 2-1. In May 1980, Burnley had already been relegated to the third tier for the first time in the club's history, but still lost heavily 4-0 at Vicarage Road. And then, in February 1995, Burnley were trailing by two goals in the second half, when Watford's Derek Payne was sent off for a second bookable offence, but we were unable to benefit from the numerical advantage and the match finished 2-0. Our first away win against Watford at this level was in March 2001, when Gareth Taylor, who had a tendency to score with headers, found the net with a shot to score the only goal of the game in the second half. In February 2002, Burnley were trailing to a first-half goal from Jermaine Pennant, and things looked desperate when the home side were awarded a second-half penalty. But Marlon Beresford saved Marcus Gale's spot kick... Ian Cox then levelled the scores and Paul Weller popped up with a late winner to earn all three points. After a 2-1 defeat in November 2002, in which Mark McGregor was sent off, and a 1-1 draw in September 2003, when Robbie Blake missed a penalty, Burnley's next win was in August 2004, when Ian Moore scored the only goal. Then in August 2005, Burnley lost 3-1, although there was controversy as Watford scored their third goal with Brian Jensen down injured for an extended period of time, as play continued. Jensen had to be replaced for the last few minutes and was taken to the local hospital after the game, with a lack of sportsmanship of Aidy Boothroy's side being called into question. Burnley's next away win was in November 2007, with Andy Gray and Joey Goodjohnson scoring the Burnley goals in a 2-1 win. After a 3-0 away defeat in January 2009, in which Tamas Priskin scored two of Watford's goals, Burnley managed another away win over the Hornets in February 2011, 
which was in the early days of Eddie Howe's time as manager. Burnley went ahead thanks to a Dale Benny own goal before Watford equalised through Danny Graham. But second half goals from the two Chrises, that's Eagles and Nuelamo, sealed a 3-1 away win. That just leaves two more matches, which were both during the Sean Dyche era. We'll return to a goal-packed game from March 2013 in our memory match feature very soon. But in April 2014, Scott Arfield's late equaliser cancelled out an early goal from Troy Deeney to rescue a very valuable away point on our way to a promotion to the Premier League, which before this week was our most recent visit to face Watford in a championship fixture. Ooh, crikey, there's all sorts going on in that section. I'm not entirely sure I'm uh, I'm starting to feel calm again about this fixture, but uh, let's not let's not worry. Let's not worry, listeners, with, uh, you know, stats tell us one thing, but we've got to do what we do on the pitch. Um, Charlotte, uh, Rich, what the next section that, that Dave asked us to look at was who played for both. So we're, we're looking now at what, what players um, played for both Burnley and Watford during their time. Now, there's absolutely loads of these, most of them probably in the modern days, but... Throwing a couple over to you, Charlotte, I'll start with you. The most obvious one, and I think you're still um, uh, crying, well, still possibly crying over, Andre Gray, obviously, one of our prolific strikers from our last championship campaign, played obviously for both Burnley and um, Watford. Would be nice to have him back, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think maybe maybe so. He might do a job for us. You can always rely on him, can't you? Um, like we said, he played for play for both of us. He was a fantastic signing for us there. He, he had a massive part in our our campaign there as well. Um, scored plenty of goals for us, and that's definitely what we needed at the moment. Um, if he's going free, anyone? Well, well, if he wants to come back for, for <laughs> yeah. half a season, if he's half a season, fancies it. Uh, same Ingze, same. If you want half a season, uh, but no, I, I'm a fantastic <laughs> player for both of us there. Um, but no, like I said, it's good to see some of the ones in the modern era. I know we were looking at some last week, and I thought I don't know who these are. But no, definitely nice to see more that are playing for both the teams that that us lot down here might know. Uh, some of the some of the younger fans. Yeah, definitely. I mean, gosh, some of these some of these players. We've got Market High, Gifton, No Williams, John Arley. Oh gosh, I remember John Arley, uh, Clark Carlisle, Chris Eagles, Chris Wellmo, um, Michael Kitely. Oh, Michael Kitely, Chris Baird, Martin Marvin Sordell, uh, Nathaniel Shalabar, Andre Gray, Lloyd Dyer, Danny Drinkwater, Jack Cork. Why has he got Dave's got an asterisk against Jack Cork? I'm not really sure why he's got Lord. Jack Cork. Ah, of course. Oh, no, see. This is why you have a fantastic team behind your listeners because they just got you back when you've got these things. Um, but Rich, obviously the most recent one to play for both is, of course, our recently departed Matej Vidra. We've had we've shared some rather fine strikers with Watford, haven't we? Yeah, I'm just going to go back to a player you mentioned there, Natalie, Micah Hyde. Mm. Uh, being a very young man, going to Ewood Park for the first time when Micah Hyde scored that, Amazing uh, half folly with Brad Friedel scrambling back, uh, which was a really cool moment. Um, we, we lost the game because Martin Gans Pedersen scored the winner, but never mind. That was a really cool moment. Oh, that but, was a, uh, yeah, that was a horrible. Yeah, game. some really good. Yeah, just some really good names. Uh, Natalie Chrissy Walumo, he made uh, Chris Wood uh, look look like Lionel Messi. Um, <laughs> he was that slow. But he did score a memorable hat trick against Preston, but he did. yeah, yeah, but Vidra, obviously, his time's coming to an end. and It's a funny one with Vidra. I think he got underused a little bit by Dyche. And I think he would have been an asset in the championship. But obviously, with a ruptured ACL, he's not going to be back until January. Is exactly. he? And, then he's had it. and then 
you know, with the rehab, he's probably not going to be the same player all season. So with his age, you can't really justify giving that new contract. But yeah, some really good names there, Natalie. Good uh, little bit of nostalgia, especially Micah Hyde for me. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the final one for me, Charlotte, one, one that sticks out is, is probably the first ever what I would call luxury player that we ended up with at Turf Moor. That was, of course, Chris Eagles. Do you remember? He was such a non-Burnley player at the time and he, he turned up at Turf. Was it a Lamborghini in that like really silly car? And he got told he wasn't allowed to bring it again. And he had the headband on and he was just, he was such an, a non-Burnley type player back at the time, which is funny now looking at footballers in 2022 and the you know, the lifestyles that they lead now and actually what we've come used to at Burnley is and, and quite embrace. It's it, it's a funny one, isn't it, that? Yeah, Chris Eagles, firm favourite of mine, Anna's. Um, absolutely loved him and that's for one of, one of the reasons, really. It was just something like we'd, we hadn't really seen before at Burnley. Could you imagine if he'd turned up in his Lamborghini under Dash? There would have been words there. But um, yeah, definitely a player. I definitely, it's one of the first, those half players are the first that I remember really well. Like they were starting my, my type of time at Burnley um, so it's definitely part of the team that I remember I remember when um, my nanny used to treat us on, on Christmas and she'd take us into like the Aww. hospitality and then uh, he'd get man of the match and we'd all be really buzzing if it were Chris Eagles that got man of the match we'd be sat there praying even if he'd play rubbish just so we could meet him again <laughs> me and my sisters so uh, no that definitely brings back some memories there just even not even footballing memories just the whole kind of hype around him there um, and I can definitely say I experienced that when he came. Oh, I love it. That is a great memory. It's, it's funny when you look at your football memories when you were little and, and the stuff that you did, when you were a little girl. We definitely uh, we definitely idolised uh, footballers when we were younger for, for different reasons. I'm pleased to report I idolised footballers for footballer reasons now, but I think as a, a teenage girl, I might very much have been on Charlotte's page there. I'm not going to lie. Um, okay, handing back over to Statman Dave, he is now going to have a look for us at what particular memory match he has picked for this weekend. When the Pozzo family completed their takeover of Watford Football Club in the summer of 2012, one of the first things they did was to sack the man who had just steadied the ship and guided the club to a very respectable 11th place finish. Sean Dyche wasn't bitter, but when he got a second chance with Burnley, less than six months later, he perhaps wouldn't admit it, but he had a point to prove on his first return visit to Vicarage Road. Watford left striker Matty Vidra, who had recently returned from international duty, on the bench for this game, which proved to be a very eventful one, with Burnley taking the lead twice in the first half. Inside the first minute, Charlie Austin put the visitors ahead, only for the home captain, Troy Deeney, to equalise after six minutes. After 24 minutes, Burnley were awarded a penalty for a foul on Alexander Kaklaniklic, and Charlie Austin put away the resulting spot kick to restore the lead. Five minutes later, Fernando Forestieri's shot beat Lee Grant to make it 2-2, and it stayed that way until half-time. Into the second half, and it was Forestieri again who put the home side into the lead for the first time after 72 minutes, after he curled a shot past Grant and into the bottom corner. It stayed that way until injury time, when Sam Vokes, who had been introduced as a substitute with 10 minutes remaining, advanced and beat Jonathan Bond with a low shot in the third minute of injury time to earn a last gasp draw. So, the match finished Watford 3, Burnley 3, with that late, late goal from Sam Vokes, rescuing a very valuable point. And although we'll be hoping for the same levels of entertainment this Friday, perhaps Burnley can go one better than our last two championship visits to Vicarage Road, which have both been drawn. 
And listeners, you know that we do not like to just give you our opinion of our opposition because that would be fair and it would be slightly biased. We like to get the thoughts of our fans as well. So joining us on Opposition View this week is, of course, our long-term friends from the Rookery End who are giving us their thoughts ahead of the game. Hello. No, nay, never. This is John calling from from the Rookery End, um, the Watford podcast. Just to give you a bit of an update, a bit of an intel, let's say, uh, on the upcoming fixture between Watford and Burnley on Friday. Um, we are sort of similar to the last time we found you, but a little bit different. We're still coming together. We have a new manager, as you do. Um, we're used to that. You're not really used to that because, you know, Sean was uh, around for a long time for you guys. Uh, Rob Edwards has started. I've had two games, you probably know, a win and a draw away at West Bromwich Albion and you probably would uh, love to get a draw at West Bromwich Albion if someone sort of offered that to you. And we would have as well, except it didn't quite work out that way. Um, the, I always think uh, sometimes a, a result can mask things and I think the uh, the win at home to uh, Sheffield United on the, our first game of the season it sort of did mask a, a few problems. Um, I hate to be negative, but we you know we are a, a developing new thing um, under Rob Edwards. We, attacking wise, you can look at Dennis, you can look at Saar, you can look at Pedro. All played in the Premier League, all cause all cause problems, but they aren't clicking. They're not really being this dominant force as a trio to cause problems in the Championship. They're having their moments, of course, and you would have seen the moment of the season so far. Maybe it will be the moment of the entire season for Watford um, of Ishmael Assar's goal from the inside his own half against West Brom. And it was a moment of beauty. And he is a player who's full of great moments and he can turn it on when, when needed. But as a three, they're just not clicking. Behind them, uh, midfield two of Kayembe and Cleverley, Tom Cleverley played for England, played for Manchester United. But they're just not, it's not heavyweight enough. Maybe not in terms of those two in particular, but just in terms of numbers. You know, the three up front, I think, leaves us one sort of shy in midfield. Uh, and we weren't really progressing things through the midfield uh, against West Brom. Uh, you know, compared to the, the game against Sheffield United, you know, that win, I think, masks a lot of problems that we had. And that was one of them being a bit light in midfield. Uh, back three... Um, for want of a better word, um, three, five, whatever. They are guys who did fantastic. We had the best ever championship defence uh, when it came to our last promotion season two years ago. Uh, and they, they've done really, really well. Uh, a moment of greatness from, from West Bromwich Albion. And uh, they had a great opening game against Sheffield United. We, we, the sort of thing of the squad so far is our, our wing-backs. We have uh, Ken Semmer. Uh, on the left, and uh, we have a Casa, a, we have Kamara on the right. Now, you might remember Kamara from last season, playing on the left. Uh, did such a good job, joined in January, uh, that Watford fans picked him as our player of the season. Shows you a lot about what last season was like. Uh, but he has been playing on the right, uh, and Ken Semmer, who does play on the, on the left, uh, but normally plays left wing rather than left wing back. Uh, and the, the, he's doing a good job. Enough of a job, let's say, uh, in his backness of his wing back role. He's, he had a bit more forward against Sheffield United, but he, he wasn't getting anywhere against Wallace uh, when we played West Brom this week. So it, it, we're not quite there yet. We're, we're not quite got our finger on it. Why? 
the reasons um we hope it will come and we you guys probably the same you would love to rump the league and go straight back up again um but we don't think we're going to do that not yet we haven't quite got the full squad there we haven't as i said made that midfield a little bit bit brighter and we are sort of still in you know we haven't sold the players that you guys have sold um but there is the potential for both Ishmaeler Saar and for uh Emmanuel Dennis to to leave so yeah what we, what we end up being on the 1st September is is still up for grabs uh and we will look forward to seeing how that has developed against yourselves uh on Friday so looking forward to to seeing what happens um and well yeah we will see what happens under the lights at Vicarage Road come on you horns okay final little bit of stat for you guys before we talk generally about how we feel about this weekend is of course the referee referee details have now been provided uh referee stats not quite as easy to come by now we're back in the championship in the Premier League ones where they don't quite as high profile referees but this week we are being managed from the middle by Mr T.W. Bramall of Sheffield that sounds that sounds like a parody name Bramall of Sheffield um, but this will be the first Burnley game that he has ever taken charge of Tom Bramall was promoted to the select one group of officials during the summer as a newly promoted official he was predominantly taking charge of Premier League matches this season but he seems to be getting some additional championship experience ahead of his first Premier League game. He took charge of Blackburn against QPR. I don't like saying that word live on air. Um, he took charge of them lot down the road versus QPR on the opening day of the season prior to the appointment in front of the cameras on Friday night. So that will be interesting. Um, we'll, we'll see how he gets along. I think, I think Burnley don't always get most favourable <laughs> treatment from referees that are making uh, debuts, but we'll see how it goes. Um, Charlotte Rich, let's 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 have a chat now, just generally speaking about how we feel against, uh, sorry, ahead of this weekend's fixture. Rich, this is going to be a tough one. I think we've all identified that this is going to be um, probably the strongest of the three sides that we've met so far. Um, we were all a little bit concerned watching the West Brom game, but actually, in the end, I think when we watch West Brom, West Brom were probably stronger than Watford. Maybe we've got more to fear of them than we have Watford. But how are you feeling ahead of ahead of the game? Yeah, going obviously, we we recorded the, the analysis show, I think an hour before the, the game kicked off on Monday between Watford and West Brom. And I was really interested to see what they were like. And I thought Watford were, were quite poor, in all honesty. And I thought they were very mm -hmm. lucky to come away with a point. Obviously, there's a lot of talk of Ishmael Assad going to Leeds now, which will be a big boost for us. For me, he, he's one of the top attacking players in the Championship. Carries the ball really well. He's a real threat on the counter-attack. And as George Poole said, if you play too much right of, a, of a high line, you know, you, you'll get caught in, in behind against him. But um, I think they've signed Hamza Chowdhury this week on loan from Leicester. Obviously, like a more of a holding midfield player, which will improve them. But I definitely think we can get at them. I noticed out wide, they, they got isolated a lot. And Jed Wallace in particular had a lot of joy um, down, down the right-hand side. So hopefully, if, if we can get Benson involved, then that'll be good. The really interesting side, Watford, you know, a little bit of stat man, Richie. I think they won. Um, I think they won something like thirteen of the last fourteen championship home games. But then, corresponding to that, at the end of last season, they lost eleven home Premier League games on a on a run, which was only interrupted by a, a nil nil draw against Everton, and then they lost the subsequent game um, at home to Chelsea. So 
at home in the championship, they were fantastic when they got promoted. But last season, they were really poor. So it's going to be really interesting, that balance. And to summarise all that, still being early in the season, I still don't think our squad's fully complete with incomings. I mean, still got Twine injured, which I think is a bit, a bit of a blow. I would definitely take a draw um, on Friday night. And I think five points from three games would be a good start. But at the same time, I think we can definitely cause some problems, um, you know, attacking-wise, because I think the defence looks shaky. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, Charlotte, I think Rich made a good point there about our team not quite being complete yet and a few things not not quite there. It definitely feels like we've got two or three gears still left to step up. And I think that's what I was most pleased with about the Luton game in that we still managed to weather that storm and, and try and compete against that really physical side when we were still not quite the finished product yet. Um, with that in mind, do you think it's a good time or a bad time to be playing Watford at the moment? I mean, we're only three games in, really, aren't we? We were going to have to play them at, at some point, and maybe I, I don't know when the reverse fixture is, but like you said, there's, there is a lot more that we can offer. And I think one of the things we were, well, I was worried about personally when we got all these new type of players in and we knew that they weren't the type of physical players that we were used to was the fact that if we were going to be under some pressure, were we going to be able to to hold up against it and I think well even though we don't have any of these physical well not many of these physical players in at the moment we did stand up against it and it does make you feel a little bit more confident going into the going into the game tomorrow um but like we said it, it is early days and we are going to have to play them at some point and does the third game really make that much of a difference I'm not I'm not too sure as if we step up and we start playing we have our more complete side against other teams that are maybe not as established as Watford, maybe that's more beneficial to us if we, we're we more likely to pick up points in those games. So I wouldn't say that we were, we were worried at all. I don't know. I didn't think they had that much. I don't think they had much possession uh, on their last game and things like that. And obviously that's what we're playing into at the moment. They had that goal, that fantastic goal. It was a, a moment of magic, I guess. But then going forward from there, like Richard said, they didn't really offer that much afterwards. No. They they you could see places where you think, oh, I, I hope I t- I hope the Bill lads are looking at that and seeing, you know, they're leaving quite a lot of space there. They're doing this out nearly behind them. Um so I think having that game where we could they could televise it, they could see, think it were a bit of an unknown. They've come down from the Premier League, not really lost that many players, I guess so I might be going, but they've not really lost too many players. They've strengthened the side, if anything. And that's kind of everyone it's a bit of the bogeyman, but we've actually been able to see that they might not be. There might be a way that our new yeah. style of football can break them down. So even though it's we're not kind of a complete team yet and we've got a bit of growing to do, I think if we're going to play them at any point, if we play them now, even if they beat us, when it comes to the reverse fixture and we're, a, we're at fully fit, we're at full capabilities, we might be able to surprise me. Yeah. But no, I think if, <laughs> if, if it's one we're worried about anyway, um, we might as well play them early, get it out of the way. We'll see what we're up against. We'll see what, what the best teams supposedly in the league are going to offer. And then once we're fully fighting fit, we'll we'll be able to to take it up a notch really for them. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think that's the thing that we're all maybe adapting to, Rich, in this start of this new season, is that you forget what a long slog the championship season really is. And and actually, nothing in the championship really tends to take shape until after, till probably around January, February time. And you often find in the championship that sides that are near the top 
after Christmas don't make the playoffs or like look at us in the championship season uh, when we won it we were what 17 points off top place and way out of the playoffs and then went on to win the thing on Boxing Day so um, we shouldn't really be paying too much concern about these early games certainly up to Christmas I don't think yeah that's fair <sighs> yeah yes and no uh, at the same time like you don't want to kind of get too far behind because the odds of going 23 games undefeated are True. Every single time a slim. I know Forrest, obviously, I think he only had one point from eight. And Chris Hewton got sacked. I think Charlotte made a good point. It's good to test us early on, you know, against an opposition who you think will be will will be up there. I, I personally think every game's important. It doesn't matter when you get three points, whether it's now or you know, or in or in January. But I do agree with Charlie. It's not the be all and end all if you lose the game one 0 of course. I think What's interesting this season, you know, you talk about January, we're going to have two months off from November because of the World Cup. Oh, my God, I keep forgetting about that. That so, is so true. So there'll kind of be a bigger gap in going into January. I think my, my first point is between now and August, we've got, I think we've got four more games, including this with this Watford game. Um, so I think that'll give us a little mini indication after, I, I know it's only a small sample size to actually see where, where we are, but I'm, I'm personally looking forward to the game. I think it'll be a good test. I think both both teams, I think it might suit us more in a, in a little bit. I don't think Watford will sit behind the ball as much as Luton did. And I think something that might be crucial, it's obviously, I know it's a night game. It's going to be very, very hot in London on, oh, yeah, on Friday. Uh, and I think our, you know, you've seen it when City played West Ham on Sunday. It wasn't the greatest game in the world, but they kind of passed them to death a little bit. And West Ham war, you know, got worn down, and hopefully we can we can we keep can keep that. the ball, yeah. keep the keep, keep the ball ticking over, keep patient, you know, and then hopefully as the game goes on, we can exploit the space. Uh, and I thought that's what West Brom did really well, actually. Yeah, that's a really good point. That's something both of you picked up on there about the potential to exploit that space that, that Watford are doing there. So fingers crossed they will do. Um, before we we move on, then. Um, Charlotte, I want a prediction from you, please. Score prediction and scores. Oh, I think I'll have to go with the uh, with the same one that I said on the analogy show. Otherwise, I'll be, be seen as going back on myself. I'm pretty sure I said one one. We'll oh yeah, that's true. Down. Yeah. Actually, I, I actually go for a prediction in the analogy yeah. show. Yeah, no, that's fine. Let, let's uh, let's skip over that then. You said <laughs> no. one one. Rich remind me, what did you say? I have no idea what I said. Monday was a long time ago, but. Um... Excellent. <laughs> I, I would I would agree with Charlotte. I'll go for one. I'll draw. Lovely. Honestly, that's yeah. true. Well, listeners, you know the drill by now. We want to know what your score prediction is, please. Uh, we want to know the score, the scorer, and how he scored. Is it left foot, right foot header, or is it going to come off his backside? You know how to get in touch with us and let us know the prediction, please. You can tweet us at none and ever. You can leave a comment on our Facebook book. Facebook page, or you can email us at previewshow at noneinever.net. We leave the analysis of um, the Watford game um, to Tuesday, but in the meantime, ahead of that game, we are going to leave you with Statman Dame's miscellaneous stat of the week. Having had 70% of the possession in the opening match of the season at Huddersfield Town, Burnley followed that up with 71% of the possession in last Saturday's match at home to Luton Town. These are unprecedented figures for Burnley in recent seasons. Although more work is needed to convert possession into chances, and then to convert those chances into goals, Vincent Company has already established how he wants his team to play this season. 
And with a few weeks still to go before the transfer window closes on the 1st of September, there's plenty of time to reinvest more of the cash we've recouped this summer. Okay, as ever, listeners, we are concentrating our second half of the season with a look at the highly competitive and much-loved none and ever fantasy Premier League. This season, we have a record number of managers who have joined our league. Um, it is just fantastic fun. It's very competitive, and I genuinely do love um, the amount of competition that our regular um, managers go through to try and get that that competition. I'm going to hand it over to Adam Dennett in a minute, who's our FPL expert here at, at Team None and Ever to give you an update on what happened in game week one. Nothing much to report as yet, it's the early stages, so we're going to keep these, these snippets a little bit short for the first couple of weeks. Uh, but in the meantime, if you have not yet joined the league, there is still time. I'm going to leave the league open for a couple more weeks. Um, it is easy to find. You just create your profile and your team at the official Premier League Fantasy Football website. And the league code that you need is 9 Six, small N for November, four, J for John, K for Kilo. So please do get involved. It's a lot of fun. We have prizes for the manager of the month every month. We have um, full prizes for the winner of the league and the cup. So come and get on board. Um, in the meantime, Adam, why don't you let us know exactly what happened in game week one? The Premier League returned at the weekend with Liverpool stuttering to a draw against newly promoted Fulham. Champions Man City as imperious as ever cruising to a 2-0 win at West Ham, and Man United up to their old tricks with defeat to Brighton at Old Trafford in Eric Ten Hag's first game in charge. This also meant the return of the no-name-ever fantasy Premier League, and with just one shot of 400 entries, this is the highest we've ever had, so thanks for getting involved. I'll start with the Game Week 1 Team of the Week, which lined up in a 3-5-2 formation, uh, starting in goal with Mendy from Chelsea, getting seven points. Uh, in defence, Fabian Schaar from Newcastle, uh, was the joint top scorer of the round with a goal and a clean sheet for Newcastle against Nottingham Forest. Lloyd Kelly and Zinchenko uh, both got assists and clean sheets and bonus points in Bournemouth and Arsenal's victories over Aston Villa and Crystal Palace. Into midfield and Pascal Gross was the joint top scorer of the round with uh, Shah also on 15 points after his brace at Old Trafford. Kulosevsky uh, turned out to be the best £8 million option with 13 points in Spurs' win over Southampton. The ever-reliable Mo Salah bagged 12 points. Um, does very well in the first game of the season, so you were very brave if you backed against him. Jorginho uh, scored the penalty winner for Chelsea uh, against Everton, uh, getting him 11 points. Lerma for Bournemouth, also on the score sheet, 10 points for him. And up front, um, with the star performers of the weekend, Alexander Mitrovic of Fulham and Haaland from Manchester City, both bagging brace, braces and maximum bonus points in their side's positive results over the weekend. Now to the all-important, very early, game week one, known in ever league update. So your top 10 uh, in joint eighth place, uh, we've got three players. Jonathan Stansfield, Brad Banks and Mark Shapland. In seventh place, uh, with 83 points, is Michael McHugh. Sixth place, James Brindle with 84 points. Joint fourth place, Megan Locke and Sammy Sutcliffe with 85 points. In joint second place, uh, Connor Ward and Ben Rose with 86 points. 
And top of the tree is Luke Ibbotson with 88 points. His star performance performance was Salah Captain, Kulisevsky and Haaland doing the business. He even had the audacity to leave Mitrovic on his bench. Um, but yeah, a long way to go. And we'll have further updates on the league table next week. Um, in terms of the Podcasters League, uh, Lee Banks, who was our cup winner last year and uh, gained entry to the Podcasters League, is top of the tree with 74 points. Robbie Kopak in making a return this year um, in second place with 66 points, followed by myself in third with 63, Luke Lambert in fourth, 61. And then Matt Moss, George Poole, Natalie Bromley, and Charlotte Rigbeck completing the lineup for this year. Now, the obvious fixture to target for your transfers and captaincy for uh, game week two is Man City's tasty home game against Bournemouth. Uh, despite the positive start, you're, uh, you'd expect the Manchester City attackers to really have fun this weekend and run riot like they did against the Burnley defences over the years. Um, I've already transferred Haaland into my team a bit of an early reveal there but um, I don't think it uh, took much courage to move from Kane to Haaland after last weekend and finally uh, just a big thanks again for all that have entered so far Uh, we're still taking new entries up until the end of August Uh, so just enter the league code 96N4JK all in lowercase on the FPL website to join in and if you're new to the game or need any help and advice with anything FPL related, then feel free to tweet me at adenny87 or go directly to at no name ever. Alternatively, you can email us on the preview on preview show at nonanever.net. Wishing you all green arrows in game week two. Up the clarets. Lovely, lovely stuff. As ever, listeners, I am towards the bottom of the league. But do not fret. I'm working hard on my team this season. This is going to be the season I'm going to smash it. I can promise you that. Um, in a few weeks' time, you'll see my name really close to the top. Um, you you two, Charlotte, Rich, do you two, are you the same as me? Do you tend to just set a team at the beginning of the season and then just leave it? Or are you, like, good at this stuff? It depends how I do. Um, <laughs> last season, I did rubbish, but... I'm ahead, at, but I'm winning in the podcasters at the moment. So we shall see how that continues. Yeah. We shall see. How, I'm bragging on week one, but it'll slowly go downhill. Get it in now. Get it in now. Charlotte, what's your approach to fantasy football? I tend to forget about it. I'm terrible with it. So Excellent. I'll set a team. I'm like, right, this season, I'm going to take it really seriously. And then I completely forget about it. And then I'll remember, I'm like, oh, yeah, I need to set that. And they're like, oh, it's past the deadline. Oh, yeah, no, sorry. I do that. Yeah. Actually, to, to be fair, recording the previous show every week tends and, and concentrating on it, it has helped me because every Thursday when we record the previous show ahead of the Friday night published, Dave always comes on and reminds me, he says, do your league? And I'm like, oh, okay. So I tend to do it while we're recording. Otherwise, I'm definitely in Camp Charlotte and I would forget. Um, listeners, we leave you as ever with a quiz question to test your Claret's knowledge um, for the next week. Dave has once again set you a bit of a stinger. So let's uh, let's have a look what he's giving you here. Let's have a look. Let me find out my script, listeners. What has Dave left us? Quiz question. Here we go. Who replaced the injured Brian Jensen in goal for the last few minutes of the game when Burnley played Watford at Vicarage Road in the Championship in August 2005. 
Rich Charlotte, without giving the answer on air, just tell me whether you know you think you know this or not. Do you think I you mean, know? I could I could take a guess only because I would guess at the other keeper that played at the same time, but not yeah. confidently at all. I think from the what Richard just put in the chat and what you're looking at, I think both of you've got this. So I'll uh, I'll let you submit your answers in the in the show thread, um, and we'll see if you get it right next week. Listeners, you can submit your answers. Please have a bash at this. We'll put it on socials as well. Um, but same as as with the score prediction, tweet us your answer, but send it by DM, please. So then you're not giving the answer away. Um, send us a message through Facebook or email us at previewshow at nonandever.net and let us know who you think the answer to that was. That is all we have time for this week. Um excited about the upcoming game against Watford this is going to be a lot of fun uh it'll be interesting to see where we sit within um that you know what is strongly considered to be a very tough opposition this season albeit you know we've got our concerns about that but Watford obviously with us in the Premier League last season it'd be interesting to see how the new look Burnley stands up against them um safe travels to a club Travelling Clarets making their way down to Vicarage Road. Cheer the boys on and bring those points home. The analysis show will be back at some point next week, but with fixtures coming thick and fast, with obviously we've got um, Hull and Blackpool within the next 10 days, as well as Watford. So we're just going to have to try and wait and see when we when's the right time to put an analysis show together for all of that. We might do one midweek after Hull and Watford and then see about another one for Blackpool as well. So keep an eye on social media and we'll let you know where that is. Same with the preview show as well. We may not be able to get them sandwiched in with the games coming thick and fast. So just keep an eye on and we will let you know when things are going to be done. My thanks as ever to everybody who has helped make the preview show, to my colleagues, Rich, Charlotte and Adam for providing the analysis and the stats in this preview. And of course, Statman Dave for doing all the research and getting us these fantastic stats. Um, and to producer Matt for knitting all of this together, which has been a bit of a challenge this week because we've got about six different pre-records and opposition views and everything. Um, so thanks to Matt. Thanks to the Rookery End from the Rookery End for um, their contribution to this week's opposition view. And finally to you, the listeners, for downloading and listening to this episode. Your support is very much appreciated and we would not be here without you. I've been Natalie Bromley. This has been the preview show brought to you by the on another podcast until next time Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Normally being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. Talk sport. Powered by fans.